13. Tonight we're going to begin a series on prayer. Actually, not, not Luke 13, Luke 11, excuse me. And uh, Luke chapter 11, and uh, we, uh, as we get into prayer tonight and, and dealing with this, and um, this is, and I just read you, I just put it here as a statement, and uh, on the cover there at the beginning, it said, this is the series I'm teaching really for myself, Okay as your pastor, as a Christian, as a believer. I'm teaching this for myself. Uh, This is the one area of real need in my personal life and walk with the Lord that needs to go to the next level over everything else. And uh, what I mean by that is that uh, understanding the significance of prayer. There's uh, some great prayer heroes and prayer warriors that you can read about and uh, many of them uh, really had transition in their later years of life and the transition was just an awakening to the reality of how much greater life could have been and how much more successful ministry would have been if they would have walked in the power of prayer instead of the power of their own ability. I mean, know what I'm saying. And uh, so it's so important that we really emphasize prayer. Prayer is the greatest privilege that God has given to us and the most uh, misunderstood privilege that we have and the least taken advantage of privilege that we have. And so because I'm speaking to myself, I do not expect any amens. (laughs) I'll amen myself all by myself. So uh, Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass as he was, what? It came to pass as he was praying, where? In a certain place. Jesus had places of prayer. Uh, He would get up early, go into the mountain. He would go away, find himself alone. Now, let me put it to you like this. Who is Jesus? Okay, Son of God. Okay. Hmm? What did you say, what, Richard? Our example, very good. Um, okay, now, okay, so he's the Son of God. He's God. Why is he praying? Why is he praying? Why when his disciples can't find him and they go looking for him, where do they find him? Alone praying. Amen. Yeah. But why is he praying? He's the son of God. Okay. Very good. So he became all man. But he, he's never committed a sin. He has nothing to repent of. Huh? Yeah, he has to deal with the flesh. True. So he has to deal with it all like us. So if in that case, he doesn't have a fallen nature that we have, but he still can be tempted. Are you with me? And he do, does have to deal with this flesh. But what I want you to see, if he needed, if he needed to pray, let me see that. Where's that put us? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? If he needed to pray, and if he was constantly found in prayer, I wonder what we should take away from that. <laughs> I mean, know what I'm saying? But usually prayer will come to our life. It's like the old the joke, I think it was with James Dobson that I heard say it on the radio and stuff. And uh, that funny, but they were going through a whole situation and different things, a little old, old saint in the church and finally come down and said, well, honey, we're just going to pray. And the little old saint lady said, well, has it come to that? Amen. 
And so you look at a lot of people, but we do a lot of things in life and we do so much in our own strength. When this promise and provision of power and relationship and fellowship with God has been offered to us and really opened up to us in a way that if we understood it, uh, it would it would be transformational. So like I say, I'm teaching this. I need to be lifted in this area uh, over everything else. It's usually everything else that we lean on before we lean on prayer. And it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciple. So now why? He's in a certain place, the disciples, and he's praying. So the implication is here is that they're listening. That they're watching him do this. They're not participating with him. They're just watching. And then after he ceases to pray, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because there was a recognition in seeing him pray, hearing him pray, experiencing him in prayer, or prayer with him, they realized they had something they needed to learn. And maybe that's what we're going to try to accomplish. That's really probably would be our goal, is that we could bring ourselves to the place that we would allow the Lord to be our teacher. How many agree? And so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many know that statement covers every area of your life? Amen. Years ago, Larry Lee did a whole outline on it. Could you not tarry with me one hour? He took the Lord's Prayer and he broke it down into steps. And you go through and you pray over each one of these areas. And by the time you just pray through that, you can just pray that going through each segment of the Lord's Prayer, breaking it down, and actually uh, very easily pray for an hour and fill that up. But when you look at that, and then even in that area and the things we have, Jesus, the, the one line in this, forgive us our sins. I like the way Luke says it. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. What an amazing statement. Jesus said in your prayer, realize that your sin is a debt that cannot be paid for. It can only be forgiven. Sin is a debt that cannot be paid for. It can only be forgiven. Your sin, my sin, the only way it can be dealt with is for God to forgive us our sins, to forgive the debt, abolish the debt, remove the debt, take the debt away. Without any payment, just be taken away. And so once we receive debt cancellation, it is imperative that we offer the same to everyone else. So he says, as you receive forgiveness, you then show forgiveness. How many know it takes prayer just to do that? Amen? The number one thing hampering most Christians and cutting people off and most believers is unforgiveness. We have justified debt in our life. It's like people justify getting in debt financially. People justify holding on to other people's sin and not forgiving them. But that is not our message tonight. Amen. So it is my prayer for you that you will be encouraged and enriched as well in your desire to be taught by the Lord in the school of prayer. Entering this school will truly take a leap of faith and a willingness to sow the seeds of time, energy, and of devotion to the task to reap the harvest. Prayer is sowing. Amen. The last few weeks we talked about a, a, a miracle or a harvest, living by a miracle 
or a harvest? Do I want to live needing God to do a miracle, always needing a breakthrough, always needing God to do something spectacular, or do I want to live by harvest? And when we understand the principle of sowing the time, the energy, and uh, the devotion to the task of prayer, then we will begin to see the benefits of the harvest. The Holman Study Bible says it like this. He was praying in a certain place, and then he finished. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So that's where we're beginning our introduction tonight. Look inside your outline there. It says, if you remain in me, John fifteen seven. if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. If you remain, if you abide in me, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Prayer is the place of abiding and remaining in Christ, not just his word. If my word abides in you, but, but he said also not just his word, but he says if you abide in me. Prayer is an abiding place. It's a remaining place. Are you with me? It's not just a, a place that you're in. It's not just in here when we come in on a Sunday night. It's not just where you go in your house when you pray. But prayer is an abiding place. It, it is a remaining. It is a constant thing. Paul wrote to us, he said, pray without ceasing. How many would agree? Amen. Or well, we understand that, I should say. So prayer is a place of abiding and remaining in Christ. Power with God is the highest attainment of life fully abiding and remaining in Him. Power with God. Power with God. Not praying for power, but walking in power with God. Amen. There's a reason the apostles said, hey, there's things going on in the church. We are not your hirelings. It is not right for us to leave the Word of God and prayer to have to attend to these things. It is more beneficial that we are allowed to spend our time in prayer and in the Word so that we can walk in the power. Do you understand that? And so, which is why Jesus told his disciples, why couldn't we cast out the devil? He said, because of your unbelief. Well, then how do you get over your unbelief? He said, these guys come out only by prayer and fasting. So to have power with God, there has to be the abiding and the remaining in prayer. Years ago, uh, my friend Robert Slairdon wrote a book, The Price of Spiritual Power. The Price of Spiritual Power. And it just was that, on praying for hours and hours and hours a day, really giving yourself to prayer. If you read Ian e. Bounds' books, you get his books on prayer, and you'll find he lists these great prayer generals in there, and you'll find out that these guys just spent amazing hours in prayer. One gentleman said, I forget who it was, he said, he said, if I, if I had only five hours to work in a day, I would spend the first hour praying. Knowing that if I give an hour to God in prayer, I will accomplish more in four after one hour of prayer than I would in giving all five to the work. Amen? So that, that remaining, that abiding in prayer is so important for all of us. To truly be in the ministry with Christ that He is now is to be an intercessor. People say, I, I want to be in the ministry. I, I want to go in the ministry. Well, to truly be in the ministry with Christ as he is now, the Bible tells us that he is seated by the Father in heaven. Okay? He's our high priest in heaven. And as our high priest in heaven, he is only doing, Jesus is only doing one thing for you right now. Praying. So your Savior, my Savior, our risen Savior, Lord and King, is doing, He is, so His disciples' son, and now what's He still doing? He is still praying for us. Amen? Wow, what a thought. So to truly be in ministry, in the ministry with Christ as He is now, is to be an intercessor. But because, Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, but because He remains forever, speaking of His priesthood, because it said the Levitical priesthood changes because men die. But he remains a priest forever. He holds this priest, his priesthood, permanently. 
Therefore, he is always able to say. Look at that. Therefore, he is always able to save. Wow. Those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them, to make intercession, praying. Wow. So we put these names up on the wall for salvation. You know what Jesus is doing right now? He's interceding for them. When you commit someone to the Lord. Look, he, he said, Paul told the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Now, let me just go back to this. Remember Sunday morning and last couple of Sundays when I referred to the Spirit of God telling me that God had restored my son to me? I never asked God to restore my son to me. I was believing for my son. But my point was, is, is that I never wanted Sean to feel pulled between his mother and I, or have to make a decision because of my failure. I didn't want him to be a pawn in, in, in this wrestling match of our failure. Do you understand that? So I, I, I just believe God for opportunities for him to be in our lives and just kept going. But there's just something about when you're fulfilling God's plan, there are certain things. The Bible says that God literally gives us the desires of our heart. And when you seek him first and seek his kingdom, he adds all these things to you. So when you and I have holes and break, brokenness in our life, God does not want his children broken. Amen. And so how many have ever bought your children something that they never asked for? Just out of your love. So you blessed him, you gave him, not because they asked for it, they told you what they wanted, not because they gave you that, but because you could see the need, you, you, you know their heart, you know their desires, you know their wants, you know their appetites, you know their life, and you want to bless them. And so with Sean, I wasn't asking him, but he said that if I would get saved, that me and my household would be saved. It's a promise to me. They're in covenant. If you understand covenant, when you make covenant, when David said to Jonathan, when they made covenant, David said to Jonathan, this is between your, not just between you and me, this is between your seed and my seed as long as we have seed remaining in the earth, which is why David went after Mephibosheth. Because he made covenant with Jonathan, and the covenant was to him and to his seed. And when you come into faith with Christ, his covenant is with you and to your seed. Are you with me? And so in seeking the Lord, the God just moved and gave us this desire of our heart because he is interceding for us. So he's working things out and he just makes that come to pass. And I don't have to pray about it, but I just have to believe there because he's ever living to make intercession on our behalf. Amen? Amen. Ever living for us to make that happen. Praise the Lord. And so we just stay focused. We just stay in that lane. Praise God. Amen. Now, look at the next verse. Christ is is our all-prevailing intercessor. The highest place we could attain to is to be joined with Him in His work. Amen. The highest thing we could do is not... For me as a pastor, the highest thing I can do is not preaching to thousands of people. It's not the highest thing you can do. The highest thing you can do is be joined to him. Let me say this. What, what, what do you think Jesus needed most? Think about it in the garden. Just think about it in the garden. Think about that statement. Jesus said, hey, Peter, James, John, come over here and pray with me. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Will you come pray with me? Will you come help me carry this burden? And they said, oh, Yeah. No problem. <clears throat> Father, help him. Help 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, God, I just needed an hour. Could you not give me one hour? Wow. The highest place we could attain to is to be joined with Him in His work. Allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to also prevail through us in the earth, pleading for men. So get this, Jesus is interceding. So when you bring your request to the Lord, He begins the intercede. When, when we lift these names up and we call upon people, He is our intercessor. He joins with us in prayer. Amen? The Holy Spirit also praying and interceding through us makes that happen. And so what he does, when we enter into this ministry with him and into praying with him, then we enter that realm of interceding and pleading for men on his behalf. Revelation 1 verses 4 through 6 reads like this, John to the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who was, who is, who was, and who is coming, from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Wow. To him who loves us, and who set us free from our sins by his blood. Wow. What an amazing declaration. Amen. And made us a kingdom. The King James actually says, and made us kings and priests to his God and Father. The glory and dominion are his forever and ever. Amen. So think about this. The chief thing of being king and priest is power, influence, and blessing. If you're a king, you have power. You have influence, and you have the ability to bless. Amen? But all that from a king flows downward. But priests have the same thing. They have power. They have influence, and they have blessing. But from a priest, that flows upward. Are you with me? And we've been made kings and priests unto our God. Peter said, 1 Peter 2, says that we are a holy nation, a royal nation, a holy priesthood. So think about it. In priests, it's a power which flows upward in prevailing prayer with God. Jesus is our king and priest, and we are joined with him in this marvelous ministry. And it is through our priestly role of offering up our prayers of intercession that we see and experience the release of his kingly power on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he said. Pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Release the power of a king downward. The influence and the blessing of the king downward. Your rule and your reign downward as we release our influence and our blessing and our power upward. Amen? So he puts us in that priestly role of bringing and praying that power down to earth. Now look at understanding this moves our prayer life from personal maintenance and transforms us into the highest honor entrusted to us. See, many times as Christians we think, I have to pray to maintain my relationship with God. Prayer is important. Get saved, read your Bible and pray, read your Bible and pray. In order to be a Christian, you need to read your Bible and pray, read your Bible and pray. And, and so we see it as maintenance. Kind of like changing our oil or whatever, you know, or putting gas in the car, doing whatever. So prayer is, is something personal that we're doing. But when we understand the ministry that we're called into and invited into, with God and what prayer truly is, it changes that whole perspective and we see this highest honor that's been entrusted to us. So that's our introduction. Let's dive into a couple thoughts on this as we begin this series. Lord, teach us to pray. What an amazing statement just in itself. How many know that's a humbling statement to ask to be taught? And the challenge we have is that we've been saved too long that many times our attitude needs an adjustment. We get religious, we get prideful, we get arrogant about everything. We, 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 just, we, we need to remain at a place where we need to be taught, always. 
Always be willing to be taught. Never get past being teachable. Amen? But think about it. This was a request of his disciples. Not teach us to prophesy. Lord, teach me how to prophesy. Well, why do you want to prophesy? So I will look spiritual. So I will get attention. No. They didn't ask to be taught on how to prophesy, on how to preach. They didn't ask to be taught about kept well. They did ask, why couldn't we? And they didn't ask for him to teach them how to prosper. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Why? See, Jesus is the only teacher. It's hard for us to come to a place of needing a teacher in what is perceived by most as the simplest work of faith. Why do I need, why do I need to be taught how to pray? Don't just get down and talk to God. See, we try to simplify it. And it is, it's very simple. But on the other hand, we awaken to realize that it may be the simplest work of faith, but there's nothing more difficult than truly having a real prayer life. And if you were honest, you might say amen right there tonight. Amen. <laughs> amen. I mean, now we're talking about a prayer life that has and produces the power of God in your life. So that we are people that walk in God's power. We're ordained to be a people of power. Every person. And every person is invited into this ministry of prayer, this fellowship of prayer. And every person has the promise that if we remain and abide in Him in prayer, that we ask what we will. And it is done for us. And how many know remaining and abiding in Christ always keeps your asking straight? People get all, well, if I ask for it, see, they hear, ask for what you will. Well, how do I know I'm going to ask the right thing? Don't worry about the asking. You worry about remaining. You remain long enough, and it'll fix your asking. (laughs) It it fixes everything. How many know what I'm talking about? It just fixes everything. Say, James goes, well, you ask amiss, but you ask and and, and you don't receive because you ask amiss to consume it upon your own love. How do you get over it? So we're afraid that I'm going to ask, it's just going to be my, no, how do you get by? Remaining and abiding and you get past that. You just can't spend time in this. You can't spend time in the presence of the Lord and be flaky and stupid. That's the only nicest way I know how to say it. You're you're not going to spend time with God and come out stupid. You can spend time being religious, but you're not going to spend time with God and come out wrong. Are you with me? It just isn't going to happen. Praise the Lord. So prayer, like any other discipline, will yield no more reward, benefit, or blessing than what we are seeing right now. Listen to me. Your prayer life is going to really uh, release nothing more than what we are seeing right now. That's it. Unless, if we do not come to our need of being taught and find within ourselves the willingness to become teachable again. Any area of my life and my walk with God, if I am not teachable in that area, if I'm not remaining open in that area, I've reached my pinnacle. I'm done. I've got all I'm going to get out of that. There's no more. Amen. We just kind of stuck at a third grade education. Glory to God. We dropped. We, seriously, we just dropped out of school. Are you with me? That's why this. That, that, look, at the Bible, it, it, it doesn't say study for a while to show yourself. It just says study with no end. To show yourself approved. That the Bible tells us to grow in grace and knowledge. It doesn't tell us that there's a beginning or an end to that growing. It says that you just grow and keep growing. 
go and grow and keep growing. Paul praying for a saint that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened so that we're always understanding that God has given you. And, and then Paul goes on and says, you know, they're, they're, that you may understand what are the unsearchable riches of Christ. So if there are these unsearchable riches and depths and knowledge and that, then, then the only way for me to, to attain into any of that or find and discovering that is to be teachable. Are you with me? Amen. And so, but if we come to prayer, people say, well, you know what? This is what I think about prayer. Well, that's probably a good thought, and you're probably right at that point. But there just might be more. Amen. That's always what people ask me. Well, you know, this is what I think about prayer. This is what I think about praying in the Spirit. I said, fine. Well, do you pray in tongues? No. Well, then there might be more. There could be more. There could be more. There, there just could be more. Amen. I don't know about you, if it's there, and it was paid for, and it's mine, and I'm invited into it, and I'm an heir of it, I think I'll just go for the more. It's kind of, I just have simple deductions on things, praise the Lord. Works good. So, if we don't come to our need of being taught and find within ourselves the willingness to be teachable, then we're not going to have any more than what we're seeing now. Once we come to that place and bring ourselves under the tutelage of Christ in the school of prayer, we will be astounded by His willingness to teach. Be amazing. Can I tell you? You and I will be amazed at how willing Jesus is to teach us things. I am amazed. And in prayer, and, and this is where my appetite is right now with prayer, is that I'm amazed over the years the things that God will show me in His Word. Amen. And He just keeps showing me more and more. Because I have an insatiable appetite for His Word. But I want my appetite for prayer to become the same as with His Word. And so the same way that the Holy Spirit will teach me the Word, Jesus is the one who teaches us to prayer. To pray. Amen? Amen? And He is willing to teach us. He, 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 he wants us to enter into this ministry of intercession with Him. And He'll teach us how. And, and then once we begin to be taught, we're, we're, like I said, we'll be amazed at how willing He is to teach and how much we have to learn still. Amen? How little we know. How limited we were in our understanding. See, we wrestle with making proper application of our prayer in spiritual things. Being concerned with uh, or, or with uh, with spiritual things, and being concerned with being in line with His Word and His will, we do that. We're, if we're asking spiritual things, we're praying for Him. Well, how do I know this? How do I know that? So we go through all these things. How do I know? How do I, and we're concerned that we're being spiritually correct. And then when it comes to the temporal realm and natural things, we're lacking confidence of being able to ask for our needs and full assurance of faith to believe to receive what we ask for. So, so we just we, we just have these the, these just roadblocks in front of us. We get there, and God. What do I do? Where do I go? How do I act? Where do I stand? And so we just stumble either in the spiritual realm or even in the temporal and natural realm. And again, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, knowing that all other things will flow in perfection from the fountain of His presence in their lives. Everything else. See, if we learn entering into His presence, coming in in relationship with Him, I, I think it was Larry Lee who said it, or, or John Bevere or somebody, but if you study the life of Jesus, you've heard me say it before, and you look at Him, is that Jesus literally went, that, that as He was praying in a certain place, as we read it, his disciples come find him, and then he comes down, and then he goes out, and he leaves prayer, and he walks in power. The way they said it, it said Jesus went from one place of prayer to the next place of prayer, and in between he worked miracles. Amen. And, and the invitation is the same for us. And then we go back, well, who was he? He's the Son of God. But yes, he was the Son of God, but God became all man just like you. He was exactly like you, except he didn't have a fallen nature. He wasn't battling with sin, but he was able, as Joe said, to be tempted. Mm -hmm. 
So he still fought temptation. That's why he said, pray for me. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. What was he saying? Father, take this cup. He said, I, my flesh doesn't, my soul doesn't want to do this. I have to bring, he's bringing his body into subjection. He's bringing his mind, his will, emotions into subjection. He, he's, he's walking by the spirit. He, he's ruling by his spirit. Amen. And then he's asking his buds, his homies, whatever we would call them, to, you know, to, to, he said, come on, guys, I need you in the, I need you in this battle with me. But then he comes out of it in such a way, knowing that they're all going to leave him. But he comes out of it with the confidence to embrace it. Wow. Soon I went and saw the movie Risen yesterday afternoon. And uh, an interesting statement in there at the beginning with Pilate. He says, the most interesting man I ever saw is that it was like he wanted to die. He wanted this. That he wanted to be sacrificed. He said in (laughs) the Last Supper, he says, I've longed to eat this Passover, my passion. We call it the passion. He was passionate about going to the cross for us. Where did he as a man carry and maintain that passion from? From the place of prayer. By, by, by remaining and abiding in the Father. Look at what Jesus says. I only do the things I see my father do, and I only say the things I hear my father say. Where was he seeing and hearing those things? He wasn't going back and forth to heaven. Are you with me? And, and he wasn't bringing... He, in those times of prayer, in that fellowship with God, he was, God was revealing things to him. The Father was communing with him and speaking things to him. And then he came out of that time. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray well knowing that all other things will flow in perfection from the fountain of his presence in their life. So the best way to preach is to pray first. If you're going to prophesy, you're going to have to pray first. If you're going to cast out devils, you're going to have to pray first. Are you with me? If you're going to be blessed, if you want to prosper, you might want to pray first. Amen. Why is it important to pray before you prosper? So that you walk in authority over money, and money never takes authority over you. Money has a voice just like God. That's why when it comes time to the offering, it says, Don't tell me why I love you, I love you, I love you. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it has hands. It grabs hold of your wallet, it refuses to let go. Amen. It grows roots. Amen. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 30 and 31 says this. Look at this. But it is from him that you are in Christ. It is from him. Let me just go back to that just for a moment. Yeah, I, you think I'm being silly. Why is it when it comes to an offering, we start hearing voices? You think I'm kidding. How many know what I'm talking about? I don't hear voices. And usually an argument, you know, you, it, I, I have something that, look, I, I it's something I know, I, I, I've, I've heard the word, and the word is speaking to me, and yet when I step out in obedience, trying to, trying to just take a step in obedience and in faith towards God's word, all these voices come against me. And so abiding in, in, in that, whether it's in giving and offering, whether it's in witnessing, whether it's in flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, in all of these things that are just in obedience to the Word, then all these voices come of opposition. So where do I, I need a voice that is stronger than the voice of opposition. And the only way I have a stronger voice is through abiding and remaining. And the only way to abide and to remain is in the place of prayer. Amen? But it is from him that you are in Christ, who became God-given, look at this, who became God-given wisdom for us. You have God-given wisdom in Christ. And not only that, you have righteousness. 
sanctification and redemption in order that as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Amen. But you know what the righteousness of Christ is? It's interceding for others. It's sowing himself. See, it's amazing because if you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says he's, he, he, he's, he's scattered a seed, he's burst abroad, he's given to the poor, and, and he's sown. Now watch this. And his righteousness endures forever. You with me? So through that giving and that sowing and investing of yourself into others, it produces a righteousness that endures forever. And what is Jesus doing? He is our righteousness. And what is our righteousness doing? He's ever living to make intercession for others. He's not just kicking it on the throne and waiting for things to come. No, he's still giving and sowing of himself. And and if we get this, if we accept the invitation and enter into this, it changes everything. Is anybody excited besides me? Amen. Amen. So the reality of all he has been made unto us will flow out from our being taught by him to walk with him also in the ministry of prayer and intercession. See, he is this wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, but it's been given to us. But the kingdom is a flow. The kingdom is a flow. You are, it's just, uh, the, the devil says some weird things. And, and how many have ever heard of channeling? Heard that statement, that concept of channeling. And what that means is that another, you, 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 another spirit moves through you and works through you. Well, that's the way God works. That, that, that's the perverted side but the spiritual side, now don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, but we hear that. And uh, in fact, we, uh, I was listening to on the radio, I was driving and listened to uh, Fox News on Friday on uh, uh, Nancy Reagan's memorial service. And that it was, Fox aired the whole thing and CNN, different ones. And that. But the daughter got up and said there were, that after... Uh, their dad, Ronald, passed away, that Nancy was in there, and she was speaking. It says, it was like my, and she goes, it was like my mother was channeling my father. And she was speaking, and it wasn't her. It was like my dad speaking through her, the things and the way she was saying and her tone and, and, and her, it was, it was as if he was talking through her. Jesus said this, when you're taken into prison and you're arrested, don't give any thought for what you're going to say. Because in that moment, the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you will speak. Do you get that right there? So the kingdom of God, life in God, is a flow. It is God. What happens when God gives a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a tongue, an interpretation. Who is speaking through you? The Holy Spirit is flowing through you. And when we learn to live by flow and bring ourselves into relationship for the flowing of your spirit, what did Jesus say in John chapter 7? Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Which is why you heard me say, when I write on my offering, we have name your seat on there. What I write there is, is I always put the continual increase of his kingdom flowing through my life. I want to live in a way that there's a flow coming through my life of resources that is bringing increase and seeing increase come to his kingdom. I want to live in the flow of kingdom increase. Are we helping anybody tonight? Amen. So, praise the Lord. So the reality of all that he's been made to us comes out of that. When we walk in him and through this ministry of intercession. Now go with me to John chapter 4. Take these last couple of minutes and talk about in spirit and in truth. And this is just our introduction. So we're, are we doing all right? 
Let me go back to what I said. I I hope you will forgive me, but I am teaching this for me. (laughs) I feel bad about this in a way, but I don't. Because I'm also believing that some of you will be encouraged and and join me by enrolling in the school. Of just coming to the place you say, you know what? I don't know. I, I need to go to the, not to me, but to the Lord. I, I'm just encouraging you to get with the Lord. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. So I'm, I'm giving you some inspiration. I'm giving you some information. But for you to take your time and say, Lord, teach me to pray. And, and just really enroll in the school and allow him to teach you. John chapter 4, we know the issue with the woman at the well. Jesus is there. They're conversing. And when you get down uh, to verse 21, Jesus said to her, Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain... Uh, well, let's just go back up to verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Then she goes on to say, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Or, I'm a Baptist. I'm a charismatic. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Presbyterian. I go to the first square, holy round church of the divine trinity. Whatever. Amen. I go, to, I go here. I was, I was raised this way. I was raised that way. This is my background. This is our faith. We all have that. Amen? So, we know how to worship. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So, look at it. He's having a denominational debate with Jesus. People go, where do denominations come from? Well, denominations are different perspective, different viewpoints. So we have. So here you have Samaritans and Jews. Amen? And Jesus just goes, okay, you want to go there? Cool. Verse 21. So he said to her, woman. <laughs> I love it. Amen. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Wow. Now, now, now get the picture. The hour is coming. It's not here yet. The hour is coming. John chapter 7, when he spoke of the Holy Spirit, he says, the hour is coming. When out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of wood. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given. Okay? So he was telling what was coming, preparing, causing them to look forward. You worship, look at verse 22. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. We know what we worship for salvation of the, is of the Jews. But, everybody say but. but. But the hour is coming, says it again, and now is when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is what? The Father is what? Looking, seeking such to worship Him. So what is God looking for? Let's go back to Sunday morning. It is impossible to please God without faith, right? So God is looking for those who are seeking Him, who are seriously coming after Him. And here Jesus is saying, God is looking for those, not who think they worship God here or think they work there, but God is seeking those and looking for those who want to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So let's take a couple minutes and break that down just a little bit. So God is spirit. Not a spirit. God is spirit. And so must our prayer be in spirit and in truth. Why? Because the highest form of our worship is our prayer. Sing along songs are not the highest form of worship. Amen. This is This is singing to the Lord. It can be worship and a part of worship. But that depends on you, not them. You understand that? And it depends upon the heart, not the style, not whatever. 
And if the principle of the music is that is to be a minstrel that draws people into his presence where they enter into personal worship in his presence that you let you lead them into and draw them into his presence so that they worship God in spirit and in truth amen if it's not that, it's just nice music with no cussing or bad lines in it. I'm serious. My missionary friend Bob Osterman used to say this. He said, I'd rather listen to good rock and roll than bad praise and worship. Because at least I feel good when I listen to it. <laughs> Amen. There's some love songs that have more anointing on them than some of our worship songs. I'll just move right along. <laughs> Why? Because people, you, now watch, why? People have all these, con- let me go back, whether it's prayer or whether it's worship. If you're not teachable, you're, stu- you're done. Right. If you're not teachable when it comes to worship, you're done. If you're not teachable when it comes to prayer, you've peaked. Amen? Because if it doesn't move you, a song that takes you nowhere is just a song. If it doesn't take you and lead others and bring them into the presence of God, then it's not a minstrel song and and it doesn't bring the anointing. David played and the evil spirits left saw. He, He said he played. The prophet said, Elijah said, Elisha said, bring me a minstrel. And when he brought in a minstrel, then Elisha prophesied on the wave of the anointing of the minstrel. Are you with me? And so the minstrel and the prophetic go together. But it really enters us into... So what happens, the minstrel opened the door and brought the river, the flow of the anointing that you step into in prayer and in worship, in spirit and in truth. And in that place is where you hear, thus saith the Lord. Are you with me? Okay. So God is spirit and our prayer must be in spirit and in truth. That's our highest form of worship is our prayer. Jesus spoke to the woman of a threefold form of worship. Right there we just read it, a threefold form of worship. Number one was ignorant. The worship of the Samaritan. Jesus said, you don't, you're worshiping what you don't even know. He said, you are an ignorant worshiper. That's what he said. Woman, you worship what you don't know. Okay? But then he said, and so in that, He said, then there is the intelligent worship, the worship of the Jews. We worship what we know. We know what we worship. Salvation is of the Jew. We know. But then he goes, wait a minute. Then there's a third level of worship. What is that? He says, spiritual worship. And that's what he came to introduce. See, we still see these three classes of worship today. The ignorant, those who have no understanding of the word, pray in earnest and receive very little. They, they really, you ask them about the word, they can't find much, they don't know. Well, I, be, I talk to people, well, I think it's somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> I think it says somewhere. In, so you're not even interested to, enough to find out if it's even in the book. I get that all the time. Uh, d- doesn't, doesn't it say somewhere? I don't know. Why don't you open it up and find out? <laughs> And then they're going, well, I've been praying and nothing's happening. I wonder why. And I pray a lot. I do this, I do that. Let's see, if, 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 if you're not interested enough to find out, then it just means you would take it if he decided to give it to you. But you're not willing to invest in this relationship. This is a relationship, guys. It's a relationship that must be invested into. It's a relationship. This is a relationship. You must invest into it. Amen. 
There's times when I have to stop and listen to what my wife says. If I want to have a relationship with her. Amen. And she has to listen to what I say. Because we're in a relationship. We have to talk to each other. We have to hear each other. We have to know one another. We have to understand one another. Amen. I get around guys. Well, do you know what kind of stuff your wife likes? Well, I don't know what my wife likes. Dude, you're in trouble. Amen? Amen. All right. I used to know her colors, and then her colors changed. Amen. But she has a closet, and their colors are in there. Amen. <laughs> Just go look at most of the colors that are. I think she likes stuff like that. Take something with you. She likes this stuff. You can do it, guys. You can shop for your wives. You can do it. Amen. Some of the greatest joys of my life was years ago. I would buy her things and stuff, and then her style changed, her taste changed, and styles changed, all this stuff. But back in the day of dresses, when they wore dresses, I would buy her dresses all the time. And she was, oh, that's a lovely church. And the coolest thing was, was when she said, my husband bought it for me. Amen. Because I'm not afraid of women's apparel. (laughs) I'm a bigger man than a woman's dress shop. It'd take more than that to scare me off, bless God. Guys are like, oh, man, I couldn't go in there. Oh, you're bad. I'm a man. You're a wimp. Hey, man. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I thought we were teaching on prayer. Probably was. Amen. Relationship. Thank you, Robin. See there? Thank you, Robin. You're with me, honey. Thank you. So, so we, got, we got on that because of the ignorant. Amen. But the intelligent, those who have correct knowledge yet pray only with their mind and heart in earnest, and yet do not attain the full blessing. I had a lot of people know a lot of the word. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, and they know the word, quote the word, speak the word. They have no love, they have no joy, and they're getting no answers. And they have no power. Paul said it like this. Paul said, the kingdom of God is not in word, it's in power. And he says, when I come, Back to Corinth. I'm not going to know their words. I'm going to know their power. We're supposed to be a people of power. And we can't have that. See, I got blessed blessed yesterday. When I got home yesterday, Kurt's standing out there right now, but he called me yesterday when I got home. And uh, he came up for prayer Sunday. We've been praying for him, but he came up for prayer Sunday. And uh, but we've been praying for him all along, and he's been fighting this uh, cancer in his body. And he went in yesterday in chemotherapy, and the doctor said, "Hey, your blood count is up to 98 percent positive. We're taking you off of chemotherapy today." Amen. Amen. Meanwhile, he's in there. He got another miracle because they had the prescription messed up. So they were giving him one pill three times a day when he's only been taking it one time of the day. And the doctor goes, well, I bet that makes you feel kind of dizzy and confused and tired. He goes, yeah, (laughs) crazy symptoms. So he got a a twofold blessing. Amen. The church is supposed to be a place of power. When we pray one for another, God's supposed to answer prayer. God's supposed to bring healing. It's supposed to be a place of expectancy. But Jesus said, he didn't say my house would be a house of preaching. He didn't say my house would be a house of prophesying. He didn't say my house would be a house for just prosperity. He said my house will be called a house of prayer. Prayer. And the first thing he did when he came to his house is he restored purity to his house. He drove out the money changers. Amen. And once you bring back purity to the house, he restored purity, then he restored prayer. He said, my house will be a house of prayer. He drove them out. And then once he restored purity and prayer, purity, then prayer, the next thing that happened was power. And then the next thing that happened is that the children begin to praise him, and that's what you have perfected praise. 
perfected. Pure praise came out. So purity, prayer, power, and perfected praise. But he said it came from being a house of prayer. And so there's some things that we have to remove. And uh, we're out of time, so we'll end up here tonight. But let me just finish this area of here. But the spiritual call and, and truth, the spirit call of spirit and truth is what we are after. It is where Jesus came to take us and is what he will teach us to enter into. God is spirit and as spirit and, 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 and as God is, so must his worshipers be. God is spirit. And as he is, we have to be. We have to be in spirit. Amen. And we must worship and pray in the spirit. A really good verse is back in Revelation chapter 1. John on the Isle of Patmos said this. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a voice saying. And with Jesus appearing to them, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. And you can neither have a form of prayer and see a spirit, you, you can read the rest of this and we'll pick it up a little bit here next week. But a spirit, God's not restricted to time and place. He's everywhere always the same in every place and in every time. And people have all these ideas. We worship him here. We worship him there. We worship him at this day. We worship him on that day where we are right now. We have one thing. We have the spirit of adoption. And we're able to cry, Abba, Father. And with that spirit of prayer, we can be in the spirit. And just entering into the spirit, praying with the spirit and allowing, opening ourselves up in this flow. Just asking God, God, I want to enter into this flow, into the spirit. Teach me, Jesus, to pray. Bow your heads with me. Father, tonight we just come.